Prepare yourself for Earthling Entertainment with your hosts, Joe and Ryan. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Earthling Entertainment with your hosts, Joe and Ryan. Hey, what's up? I'm Joe. Going on. This is Ryan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing, bud? Doing good. How about you? Good, good. Uh, you know, after Halloween, it's been just kind of a, a fun week for me because uh, my anniversary is on November 3rd. So I had to quickly be like, oh, right. I have the present, but now the romantic gesture. You know, what do you do? Uh, luckily, it all worked out. I'm glad that that worked out. Yes. Congratulations, <laughs> you guys. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, how? so it was a four-year wedding anniversary, which means it was the silk anniversary. And we said, no, we're not doing that. We did the other ones. We did like paper and we did like wood. But is silk just seemed, I'm not going to deal with silk. I'm not going to do it. So we, uh, I got her like a board game and a book and like all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I uh, I just got to hang out with my boys this weekend. We went up to uh, DNR Outdoor Adventure or whatever in what is, Detroit. What is DNR Outdoor Adventure? It's just like a big play park inside here in this big building in Detroit. It's pretty sweet. That and, sounds awesome. And it's pretty and it's cheap. So I can't wait until my kid is older. Yeah, and the kids love it. They're running all over the place. It was great. They slept great that night. <laughs> you know, we uh, we had a lot of cool stuff when we were a kid, and I feel like that stuff doesn't exist anymore. You know, like every McDonald's had a play place. Now they barely exist because everyone wants to get sued. And, you know, <laughs> there, there used to be uh, Discovery Zone. Do you remember that? Or Kids yeah. Kingdom. And yeah. they were these giant jungle gyms. Do those still, Do they still exist? Anything like that? Uh, I mean, like like places like I was just talking about. It's about the extent of it. Yeah, and like, you know, the zoo's got a park and... You know, there's certain parks at most places now. Okay, but I'm not talking about parks, man. I'm not talking about a jungle gym. I'm talking about the indoor tunnels and, like, the rock walls and all this stuff where it's, like, the only thing that will break your fall is these little plastic there, balls. There are definitely places out there. I can't think of what they're called, but uh, they, they they have, like, a height restriction, and my kids are just under it, so we're not yeah, quite there yet. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. See, that's why I feel like adults have done game shows like Ninja Warrior or, you know, uh, Wipeout or anything like that. I was just talking about, yeah, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Most so, Extreme Elimination oh my Challenge. God, you know, that was uh, such a good show. Well, it was clearly a Japanese show of some obstacle course that apparently some American company bought and redubbed it to be silly. Yeah. So our version of MXC, like, I don't even think it's probably even called MXC no, in Japan. It was, no, it, no, I don't know what it was. Yeah, that was probably like, just... What was the actual show that originated? Because you know it was all, like, totally made up they were just overdubbing whatever they wanted over what they were that's what i'm saying it was yeah. so funny it was it was like their version of american gladiators and we just turned it into like the silliest little hunger game situation what was that like spike tv or something i forget i'm sure it was on spike yeah, yeah absolutely Dude. all right guys well uh this is earthling entertainment and what we do here is we have our first half of the show which is all about spooky macabre aliens ghosts uh cryptozoology all that fun stuff and then our second half is entertainment, whether it be movies, video games, music, just, you know, all that stuff that's really fun and enjoyable. And that's what we are here at Earthling Entertainment. So if you're just joining us, hey, nice choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, spooky stuff is getting pretty epic as of late. I love all the uh, the different lore and legends that we that Joe keeps bringing to the show. Uh, I'm excited for I'm, so, I'm excited for today's spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to do the most obscure ones we can. I'm going through like, you know, what is the urban legends from 
Idaho or whatever, you know. Speaking of which, this is important. Potato <laughs> monster. Potato monster. I like that. <laughs> um, so Indiana, you know, the state Indiana, they, they, I don't know, they call each other Hoosers. I was wrong because when we had last week, there was this Halloween episode where we were talking about the explosion that happened in Indiana and all these people died. It was very tragic. Happened on Halloween. Yeah. If you want to hear more about it, watch that or listen to that episode. It's a good one. But anyways, in the article, it refers to the group of people as Hoosers, I believe. And I corrected it and said, I believe that's Hosers. No, no. Hosers are Canada. Indiana, it actually is like Hoosers. I was completely off. I think I said Hosier. Hosier. That's how it's pronounced. That's how it's spelled. Maybe so I just, just put an accent there. Yeah, I, I put a little stank on it, I guess. Yeah. So there you go. I just wanted to admit when I was wrong. We have no credibility, Ryan, if we don't admit when we're wrong. You're a good, you're a good guy, Joe. That's that's good. That's All good. right, excellent. So, uh, with no further ado, I guess we should do uh, spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. Spooky stuff. The Grunch. It should come as no surprise that Louisiana probably has more urban legends than any other state in the United States. The terrain of Louisiana is full of dense, dark bayous that are capable of holding innumerable secrets. Innumerable. The, the mixture of Creole and voodoo influences on Louisiana culture have given the state and its people an entirely unique character. Truly, if magic exists in any state in the U.S., it's Louisiana. In fact, if you're lucky enough to visit the famous city of New Orleans, one of the main activities that's recommended is to go on a ghost tour. Yeah, yeah. The one in Philadelphia is dope. The one in St. Augustine, Florida was really good. Yeah. Ghost tours, always supportive. However... There aren't any tour guides out there who will tell you about the Grunch. Now, we're not talking about Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. We're talking about something entirely different and more sinister in this case. <laughs> the Grunch refers to a group of half-humans living outside New Orleans who have resorted to cannibalism as a result of a deal they made with the devil. Mm, nom, 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 people. As one does. Yes. According to Exemplar, the Grunch are rumored to be a group of deformed half-human, half-monsters that result resulted from years of isolation in the Louisiana bayous. If that description sounded a bit outrageous to you, just wait. The legend of the Grunch gets even more awful and absurd. So, if you're headed to New Orleans, keep an eye out when you're on the bayou. Uh, the dangerous beasts known as the Grunch are cannibalistic half-humans. They get their name from the road they've been seen most often. Grunch Road is an old dirt road that leads deep into the woods and eventually to a dead end. It was a favorite place for teenagers to go and do whatever teenagers do. They're going to have sex. That's, Unt what <laughs> that's what teenagers were doing. I just want to be clear about that. Until they <laughs> learned about the Grunch. That's when they were killed. See, it makes sense. You go to a dark place and have sex, you get killed. Watch a Friday the 13th movie, for God's sakes. Classic rule of any horror film. I know. I bet they were smoking marijuana cigarettes, too. Marijuana cigarettes. Yep, they're doomed. I'm that killer gonna get them. What fur? <laughs> However, if you do a quick Google search for a grunch road in New Orleans, you won't find any results. It's believed that there was once a real Grunch Road somewhere in the city and that it was made of shells from the Mississippi River and the Gulf of Mexico and dirt. However, there's... kind of cool, a shell road? Uh, yeah, 
I, don't I know. mean, do you think they were just crushed up and just kind of like mixed in with the soil, or are they neatly placed like a like a very fancy bathroom? I honestly don't know. Well, think about it, Ryan. If you were going to make a haunted road, would it look like a grandma's bathroom or like an industrial waste? Industrial waste. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they probably ground their bathroom. However, there's been some dispute about where this legendary road was located. Plus, many believe that it has since been paved over and renamed. Yeah, that makes sense. However, if you happen to find it in the present day, it's said that you shouldn't get out of your car if you see a goat who looks injured. The stories say that the Grunch use goats to lure people out of their cars so that they can eat them and drain their blood. All right. So in modern, I don't know how many people would actually stop for a goat. I know you would, you might because you love animals, but it's like there's an injured animal on the side of the road. Are you, are you really going to stop? Like, oh, what, definitely. What you, I would. You would? I, he'd, he'd get me. I'd get out. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, no. I'd, I'd be calling animals. I got to save that goat. Oh, I would. I totally would. I mean, I just, I, I feel bad, right? But I don't know because I've, I've driven by things on the side of the road that if they were still alive, I, I'd just keep going just because I wouldn't want to see them hurt. It would be, it would be upsetting. Yeah. No, like I said, uh, the grunch would totally get me. Oh, well, fair enough. That see, would... that's what it's doing. It's preying on the rinds of the world. It is. It is. I'm fucked. <laughs> Some believe that the original grunch road is now known as Gannon Road, which is located in the Little Woods neighborhood of New Orleans. Today, this area is fairly urban, and it's hardly a good hiding place for mysterious creatures. Hmm. However, Gannon Road isn't far from the Bayou Salvage National Wildlife Refuge, a giant natural area that could easily conceal some vicious humanoid creatures. Vicious humanoid creatures. Another infestation of vicious humanoid creatures. We got those here. God damn Precious humanoid creature. We call them VHCs around here. Let me see if we. I got three fifty. <laughs> Is the Grunch a cannibalistic tribe? Is what? it? One version of the legend says that this term refers to a group of deformed humans that were relegated to live in the woods because they were thought to be creations of the devil. Yeah. yeah. According that, yeah. that tracks. Yeah, the track. Yeah. yeah why uh, not? That, that that holds weight. Huh. Uh. According to this version of the story, the Grunch refers to a group of people that are the descendants of albinos and people with dwarfism. In uh, early New Orleans society, these people were considered to be cursed by the devil because of their uncommon appearances. Sadly, they were forced to live in the woods on the fringes of the city. Okay, that's obviously really sad, but how many albinos and midgets did you have? Like, how, like, seriously, are we talking like 14 people? Because that's a pretty big number for a small... I don't know how many are in Detroit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That being said, yes, this is very problematic. And uh, it, you shouldn't put any type of people on the fringes of society. Just the, say. The further back you go, the worse humans get. It's like, true. like, yeah, dude, people were not very accepting of very much back then. Yeah. we. It's like, ah, different. They didn't have the little <laughs> ribbons on the back of cars to give them awareness. Ah. <sighs> Thank God we have those ribbons today. Because I know every time I'm driving behind a Buick, I, my life is changed by some insight that's on that bumper. It's like I was going to totally just run your ass off the road, and then I read your coexist sticker, and it changed my life. I mean, it was really using all the symbols to spell out coexist that did it for me. It, it just it touched my heart. <laughs> As the story goes, these banished people lived in the woods for many generations, and a great deal of inbreeding occurred. As a result, 
these people eventually went mad and developed a taste for blood. I don't understand how that would make you want blood, but continue. Maybe eating just raw meat. It's like, you know, after fucking my sister a few times, I could go for some blood. Yeah. <laughs> Thirsty. They began hunting farm animals as well as humans in the area around Grunch Road. In some variations of the story, this group of people actually did sell their souls to the devil in exchange for protection. However, in order to hold up their end of the deal, they also had to sacrifice animals. So they would steal animals from nearby farms and sacrifice them. In some versions of the story, they also sacrificed humans. And uh, we've got like a cool uh, photo here of, uh, looks like a, like a comic book. Yeah, oh. apparently there was a grunge comic book. It is uh, from American... Mythology Productions. Yeah, all right. I have no idea when this came out. I just found the image online. But yeah, if you seek it out, there apparently is a grunge comic. Send me that. I'll post it. All right. Uh, grunge sightings. According to many versions of this legend, the grunge will often leave an injured animal on the side of the road and wait for people to come along and try to help it. Yeah, like the goat. Right, the goat. Then, when the passerby isn't expecting, they'll kidnap them, kill them, and drink their blood. If you're going to kill them and drink your blood, why would you kidnap them? You just, you know, like, do it right there. Least, you know, take me to some Wendy's, you know, because I like to be wined and dined before I'm drained of my blood. <laughs> Silly. Sightings of the Grunch date back as far as the 1800s. However, there was a resurgence in sightings just after Hurricane Katrina. Some attribute this to the fact that Hurricane Katrina displaced the grunch from their homes, forcing them out into the open. That that tracks. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, why wouldn't it? That makes sense. There, There's also the fact that many animals were injured during the hurricane. Thus, it would have been far more likely to see an injured animal on the side of the road in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. Many <laughs> people have mistakenly attributed these injured animals to the grunch rather than to the hurricane. Yeah. Still. Uh, yeah, st uh, still, New Orleans is a uh, place where anything seems possible. There are miles and miles of uninhabited bayou, and there have been practitioners of voodoo magic living there for centuries. Who knows? Maybe there was and still is a vicious creature lurking in some part of the city. See, I like that version the best. Personally, so that first version is the group of uh, inbred uh, fringes of society people, you know, like they said, they said little people, they said albinos. I'm sure that would also mean anyone with any kind of birth defect or deformity or mental illness. Basically, they're all thrown off, cast away in their own society, interbreeding. Yeah, that one and turn into cannibal swamp people. So that one is my favorite. But there's actually a couple versions of the grunge. And uh, so we're going through now is the next version of the crunch, which is more of a monster. Right. So, yeah. So this is basically part two here. Uh, but grunch. yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I keep I, wanting to say crunch. Grudge. I, I want to say grunge. I don't want to. It's a, not talking about Nirvana here. Uh, or are we? Oh. Kurt Cobain <laughs> was the grunge. Uh, strangely, there also exists a very different version of the grunge that some believe is the true origin of the tale. It is thought to be related to the Chupacabra le legend and is sometimes described as a cross between a dog and reptilian types of Chupacabra sightings. 
which honestly, until this article, I've never heard of a reptilian type chupacabra. So that's cool on its own. I think that was included in uh, Fallout New Vegas. There were like the creatures that were like half dog, half like lizard things. Huh. Well, there you go. Uh, an interesting blend of the two stories proposes that the inbred cannibalistic tribe brought about this beast when making their deal with the devil. According to their arrangement, the beast would be their protector an unholy guardian for the exiled people. It's usually said to be a goat-like creature that stands three to four feet tall with leathery or scaly black-gray skin, sharp spines, and long horns or quills along its back. It is sometimes reported to have glowing eyes, either red-orange or blue-green, depending on the source. That just sounds like any animal at night, though. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's said to drain all of an animal's blood and occasionally even full organs through a single hole. So the man knows how to use a straw. That's (laughs) all I'm saying, right? (coughs) Ah, Got a tickle in my throat. Sorry. Yeah, it's all right. However. That's like, you good? (laughs) Yeah. I'm just choking over here for some reason. However, here's what the grunch starts to branch out from the traditional chupacabra myth. The creature is said to have human-like capabilities and be able to open doors and use tools similar to primates, though it's also been said to be able to phase through walls, thus rendering this door-opening ability a bit pointless. Yeah, I feel like that's just one guy, like Jed. Jed's like, and he can go through walls. I saw it. He can't go through. I seen it. And that's another thing we got to remember that this is New Orleans we're talking about. People are are fucked up, you know. So, oh, that's not cool, man. There's a lot of normal people, but yes, I'm sure. Like any society, there's some weirdos. Yeah, it's a party town. But in any case, I do like it because it is an amalgamation of all these different tales. You know what I mean? You know, like I said, who knows? Who knows? We're just asking questions. The Grunch is also said to have a wolf-like howl, a banshee scream, or a screech like an ape when alarmed, depending on who's telling it. Yeah, that's what literally what literally, we just said. Literally, that's what said. that says. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's even reported to be able to speak in a low growl. That's creepy. I can see that. Although evidence of this beast is anecdotal, it's interesting to find an old tale that has its reflections in more of a recent sighting. A Harvey, Louisiana lady said uh, she saw one eating one of her neighbor's dogs. Also, sanitation workers tell of seeing them raid the garbage cans or chase the garbage trucks along the New Orleans East Haines Boulevard. That's really weird. So they're still seeing it. Yeah, but they're seeing like little little creatures, I guess, because it, little chupacabra was it grunge creatures. And I mean, I mean I you're guess talking so. about the bayous. So that's all swamp people. And it's just amazing people. that they have two vast. Well, they have three actually, vastly different versions of this story. Like because cannibalistic people and chupacabras. Just uh, I, that's why I do like the one thing that's like maybe it's a blend of the two because that makes sense, right? So we have cannibalistic people, and this chupacabra creature is their pet, and they're all called the Grunch because apparently they're Smurfs. Yeah, and maybe the other, the whole society is just good at hiding. So, you know, this thing's their protector. So, I mean, it's good to run around. So, that's what you'd see. You wouldn't see all these crazy deformed people. You would just see this guy. Yeah. Well, there you go. I want one. <laughs> I want one. I want a grunge. 
Not like a person grunge, but an animal grunge. Okay. Okay. Just yeah. Yeah. It sounds adorable. <laughs> uh, it is said to haunt many areas in New Orleans and surrounding parishes. They are said to live in the darkest parts of New Orleans City Park golf course and have been seen running in the tall grass and along the levees of the Chalmette National Battlefield. Many say late at night you can see them running across the Highway 90 looking for something or someone to eat. Lakeview residents nowadays tell of how they no longer leave their pets in the yard since Hurricane Katrina, as so many grunch were displaced into the neighborhood. In uh, My Harvey, Louisiana home, many people tell of seeing... So this is from the telling of this, this journalist from their Louisiana home. Many pe- people tell of seeing them knocking over trash cans and chasing cats to drink their blood. It would be really weird, though, if there was this straight-up crypto monster running around right and it's in the neighborhood and all your neighbors see it and everyone sees it and it's just no one it's just not getting out and it's just some weird obscure podcast from detroit michigan talking about it you know they're sitting there back home going like i fucking told you <laughs> honestly to me this 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 carries some weight like it the the hurricane could totally have have totally screwed up some creature that we just haven't. Dis- we're, we're discovering well, I mean, new species all yeah, the time. Yeah, the hurricane displacing uh, people or creatures makes sense. Absolutely right. It would run a predator out of the bayous for that short time, yeah. and it would go where their food was. So if your, you know, very plump and juicy cat was there, it might come and try to eat them. I mean, chupacabras, the grunge, elf. Everyone likes cats. That's why I love that Forrest Gallant guy. He uh, he's always looking for like creatures that are thought to have been extinct, but he's actually found. I, I know he's found like a, a turtle. He found like a tortoise that was thought to be extinct. That's cool. I mean, that's that's a fun thing because the coelacanth, once again, that fish that was from prehistoric times that we found like you know a while back. It, it that happens. There are creatures out there that lived, but you know what? There's nothing that's big, like an extraordinary to me. It seems like it's going to be something in the water. Obviously, because it just it, we're not going to find a giant sloth, but that would be he cool. is looking for it. He, I know he, he believes that 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 he can he thinks of. I don't know where I can't remember, but there's an area where he truly believes that there's a good possibility that they could be there. Yeah, I imagine it would have to be like an isolated mountain range, something like that. But uh, we do actually have a part three. No, no, no. Before we get into the part three, I want to talk about this giant sloth a little bit more. Okay, okay. Those things are huge. How would that be? It would have to be an isolated mountain or valley. You know, it would have to be in the middle of a country where we don't explore at all because these things were massive. I believe that, yeah, that's that's the area he was talking about. I saw an interview where he was talking about it. So he's actively looking for it. Well, uh, I want I want to hear more about this. So you're going to give me this information because I want to see if we can cover it next week. That'd be great. I'd be really interested in that. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, All right, Ryan. So this uh, part three of The Grunch is my favorite of the three stories. It's also the shortest. It's very short. Um, but it's about this very well-known voodoo priestess and a situation. And it's just, it is the best origin story for a Grunch I've ever heard. And I really want you to like get into it when you tell this because it is the most amazing thing. A completely different origin story for the Grunch traces the creature back to Marie Laval and the Devil Baby. It is said that the voodoo queen herself accidentally created the Grunch 
after castrating the devil baby in order to stop him from reproducing. His testicles then turned into a male and female grunch, and they then attacked and almost killed her. Mary Laval fainted, and when she woke, the devil baby and the grunches had disappeared. The legend says that anyone who is bitten by the devil baby will turn into a grunch during the full moon, similar to the werewolf. Okay. <laughs> so, Ryan, is that not the best of the three? Test- <laughs> testicle grunches. <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually these little monsters born of castrated testicles. My God, those balls are huge. Clearly, this is the correct one. I'm just saying. Randy, your balls. Oh, Ugh. you're a grunch. Son of a bitch. Ryan is referencing, of course, South Park. Right? Always. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, but seriously, I thought you'd really enjoy that last one. I had, I had to throw it in. It was I only found one when I was looking for stuff on the grunch. I only found one thing that talked about this story. And I don't care where they got it from. I am so happy it exists. Well, it is now a part. Of the legend that is the Grunch. How well known is the testicle monsters? I will. We will have to. I'm going to do a deep dive. Yeah, now I want you to. Grunch. I want you to Google it and see. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do some deep googling, serious uh, research over here. Well, guys, that is it for spooky stuff, and um, hope you enjoyed it. Hear a little bit more about the Grunch. Next week, we'll find out something else that's kind of crazy and creepy. But for now, we have uh, Alleged Alien Tales, which is a new uh, segment. So, yeah, enjoy. Alleged Alien Tales. Bizarre UFO encounter with pancakes. Pancakes. On April 18th, 1961, Joseph Simonton was having breakfast in the late morning in his home when he heard a con using noise near his farm. He looked out his window and stunned after seeing a silver disc hovering over his backyard. The UFO was four meters high and 10 meters in diameter. Simonton was rather curious to check the, uh, to check on the, uh, blah, blah. Yeah, just Simonton, start, that, start that whole thing over, right? Simonton was rather curious to check on the object, then shocked. That was a weird sentence. When he stepped outside, a hatch on the disc opened and three dark-skinned humanoid figures appeared. According to the farmer, they were mute and looked like the Italian. Yeah, see, that is a quote from the farmer who apparently was racist. It looked like the Italians. Looked like the Italians. (laughs) Yeah. The, The aliens were about five feet tall, dressed up in tight clothes from head to toes. Clothes from head to toes. I kind of like that. It's whimsical. Yeah. The man said that one of the aliens had some vessel, like a bucket, and signaled him to fill it with water. He took the bucket, filled it with water from the nearby pump, and returned it to the alien. As one does. Simonton noticed that inside the ship it was totally dark, and one of the ship's crew was busy with the dashboard while the others seemed to be prepared for cooking on a flameless grill. So a hot plate. The creatures (laughs) looked nice and offered him 
four pancakes that had tiny holes. After that, they closed the hatch, started the ship, slowly rose it from some distance from the ground, and flew away toward the south. Samantin, holding four pancakes, watched this amazing scene with his eyes wide open. All right, so straight up, some aliens land, and they're like, fill this bucket with water. He does so. They make some pancakes. They give him some pancakes, and then they leave. I totally buy it. I feel like they're aliens. They're on a galactic road trip. They're like, all right, it's like a campsite, right? They're like, well, we could stop at the Earth KOA. They pull over. They like, all right, we need some water. We got the pancake mix. <laughs> they 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 ask this guy, and there you go. What is his name? Joseph? Hell yeah, Joseph. They're just some teenage aliens, you know, kids doing what kids do. You know, they just like stopped in, like, man, we need water. Let's go ask that guy. Dude, dude, dude. We'll give you some pancakes, but you gotta let us like have some water from that well, bro. Like, hey, <laughs> hey, let us get some, let us get some water over here. Joe, Joe, Joe. Joseph, listen, we're like really hungry and we already got this mix. And it's just like, we, we don't, we don't. It need, says we, just it add water. water. It says just water. add water. Do you got man. water? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Human, humans love water, man. And we love pancakes. Yeah, we, you need the water to make, make it rise. All right, all right. I think, I think, we, right. We, we think we rode this boat as far as it'll go. Interestingly, at the same time, this incident caught one more witness, Savino Borgo, an insurance agent who was driving near Samantin's farm, also saw a flying saucer. Well, shit, if you can't trust an insurance agent, I don't know who you can trust. I mean, damn. Samantin tasted one of the pancakes, but was not impressed by the friendly <laughs> aliens cooking. According to him, it tasted like cardboard. Oh, what a dick. You got intergalactic pancakes and he doesn't even enjoy them. Let's see, this is why aliens don't talk to us. We're rude. Normally, such stories are called fake due to their bizarre nature, but this one got the attention of the U.S. authorities. After the neighbors spotted a UFO over Samantin's farm, they called the U.S. Air Force. They arrived with the members of Project Blue Book. Which we all know. Dum, dum, dum. One of the aliens' pancakes was given to a local judge by Samantin, who vouched for his honesty and reliability. The second pancake was received by Dr. J. Allen Hynek, and the third yes, one... Yes, that J. Allen Hynek. The J. Allen Hynek. And the third one was handed over to the Food and Drug Administration by the Air Force. After some analysis, it was found out that the pancakes were made from completely earthly products. Which makes perfect sense, because if these aliens got pancake mix, then it makes sense that they wouldn't realize they needed to get water, which is why they asked them in the first place. If it was their food, then obviously they would already know that they needed an extra ingredient. So if you ask me, that tracks. It's just a bunch of... Freaking proof, bud. Bunch of alien... <laughs> bunch of alien Boy Scouts. Yeah. Just trying to get the human cooking merit badge. Just doing their best. That's right. Within a few days, this strange story turned from an interesting UFO encounter into a nationwide joke. The newspaper, That's kind of sad. Yeah. The <laughs> newspaper spoke of the incident in a, a derisive... What? Derisive, derisive tone. Sorry. That's but right. But the people who had known Samantin for a long time believed him. When Dr. Hynek met Samantin for the first time, 
he was quite impressed by his behavior. He wrote in one of his Project Blue Book reports that Samantin knew that they would not believe him, but he did not care. He simply assured that whatever he witnessed had happened in reality. The Eagle River UFO incident is still unsolved. The Air Force said that Samantin mistook a dream and considered it a reality. Cheap. Yeah, that makes sense, though. Of course the Air Force would say that. But they're just like, oh, no, he just dreamed and thought it was real. That's so condescending. Like, how many dreams have you had, Ryan? How many times have you confused them for real life without drugs or alcohol? <laughs> like, yeah, never. And, yeah, it's that's such a cop-out excuse. But well, a lot always, of things. They always are. Well, I mean, Project Blue Book, they did, they were, okay, so I don't want to misrepresent anything here. But they were 60s, 70s, I think, maybe even the 50s, I'm not sure. But they were there for a while, and they were there to basically debunk anything alien. The, they wanted a cop-out. And the, over the time, Jalen Hynek, he began to believe that aliens existed. And some of these things, like, he actually was like, oh, man, there's something here. There's something to it. And the Air Force didn't want to hear it. They were just kind of like, no, 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 no. Just give us a reason. Tell us it's swamp gas. Give us this. Give us that. And just, you know, give us these explanations. Let's explain it away. We don't want to hear any actual investigation. This. So the fact that he, in particular, thought that this guy had some credibility as silly as this sounds it kind of makes it a little bit more credible in my mind i i'm going with like what is the theory that it's just uh the ufo was a government thing like those were actually government people in like crazy suits and this guy was just kind of freaking out because he had never seen technology like that before and that would totally make sense why they're just making freaking pancakes on a hot plate in it. <laughs> and they just, like, they needed some freaking water. Like, like, and they were mute because they didn't want to blow their cover. And so Project Blue Book is really just trying to cover up the fact that we've got all this uh, either extreme technology that's just never been presented or reverse engineered alien technology that we've never been told about. Uh, I don't know. That... I, I, I think it is uh, a very interesting theory, Ryan. But that being said, I mean, it, yeah, totally. Could just be bullshit, could be government, could be anything. Yeah. But does that mean it happened? Now, did it happen the way he thought? Like, was it aliens or was it government? I believe it happened. Like I yeah, I believe it happened. But did this man get pancakes from something in a weird ship? I'm gonna say it was uh it was it was our it was ours. That's what I'm gonna say. That's your theory on that? That yeah. is your pancake theory? Just because you yeah, have the pancakes and just the weirdness of it all, that just sounds like something that they would do. <laughs> well, you know, um, Back to the Project Blue Book, they actually had a show, a uh, history channel made a show. It only lasted two seasons. I can't imagine it, it was did too well for the ratings, but it was called Project Blue Book. And it followed uh, Alan Hynek, the doctor, and it followed him on a serialized story of him solving some of the most famous cases, or rather not solving them. But uh, it covered a few of the really famous ones, like I said, and it was a really good show, two seasons. I only bring it up because it's worth a watch. It's like a period. It was a good one. It's like a period piece X Files. It was a good one. No, I like that. I like the Project Blue Book, and uh, but another. Uh, there's a new, like, what? deep dive documentary alien series that's on Netflix right now. Can't think of what the heck it's called. But well, then why bring it up, Brian? It's brand new. It'll why be, would you tell me? It'll that? say 2023. Okay, so we're just go- here, guys. Here's a re- look on Netflix. For a random series, it was pretty good. There's no title. Good. Just type an alien and hope it comes up. It was you, like, hey. you, Ryan. I, <laughs> I poo on your recommendation. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, anyways. 
So yeah, uh, that is the new segment where it's uh, alleged alien tales, and we were going to bring those up anytime that we find a alleged alien tale we think is fun. So yeah, I uh, I think alien pancakes exist. I believe. I, I believe that it happened, but I uh, I do think it was. This is a case where it was one of ours. <laughs> I don't think, that, for the record, I don't think all you know. I do believe in extraterrestrials as well and interdimensionals as well and stuff like that. But I, you think this is like some government agency fucking? Yeah, with this yeah, sounds like I one of you. ours. All right, guys, I believe in that too. Well, here we are, and our next segment is uh, it's a game. We're doing another game. So this is a multiple choice quiz that we are going to ask Ryan, and you can play along because this quiz is on the Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Hey guys, this week's game is on The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So if you are not a fan of that game or you have no desire to listen to anything about that game, just jump to 51 minutes and 20 seconds. All right, thanks. Now here is our game on The Legend of Zelda. Which was a great game, by the way. A really fun play. Yes, we chose to do this game on the game because it was it's a big phenomenon there's uh, everyone around the world mostly has played this game it's one of the best sellers of the last year you know it's it's a huge deal so we thought we would ask ryan since he played the game a few 10 multiple choice questions i'm ready let's do this this was a surprise to me i didn't even know he was doing this till today yes i will say though it um out of context if you are not aware of this game it's probably is going to sound like nonsense to you, but we're going to see how Riot does with these questions and his knowledge with The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Listen. All right, Ryan. Number one. By the way, I'm going to apologize ahead of time, and I'm not going to apologize every time I screw up. There is a lot of creatures and worlds in this game, and I might mispronounce a lot of this. I will do my best. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Number one. How many types of Gliok are there in Tears of the Kingdom? So let me ask you, do you, does Gliok sound like something you're aware of? Yes. All right, excellent. How many types of Gliok are there in Tears of the Kingdom? A, seven. B, six. C, four. Or D? I gotta say I wanna say four that is correct yes. Ryan well done because the Gliok are the three headed uh, dragons that you gotta fight and yeah there's like a there's an ice one an electric one a fire one and then there's like a god one that has them all there you go so Ryan is going to give context to all these questions <laughs> that we may not understand Dude, and they are hard because you got to knock out each head individually, and only then can you take it down. Nice. All right, Ryan. In Tears of the Kingdom's first Blood Moon cutscene, what is Zelda's opening line? Is it A, the Blood Moon rises once again? B, when the glow of the Blood Moon shined. Uh, excuse me, after. <laughs> B. When the glow of the blood-stained moon shines upon the land. C, watch out, Link. Or D, witness the blood moon's rise. I believe it was B, and then it continued, and then for the rest of the game, it's A. You believe it is B? Yes. Eh, it oh. is actually D, 
Really? Witness the blood moon's rise. Okay, because, yeah, she does change it up. There you go. All right. See, this is what we're going to have to do for these. Just come up with random things. No, that and, that, and that, was, quiz that, you on them. that got me on there. Because, uh, right. yeah, that would have been, like, yeah, like the beginning of the game, and I put an embarrassing amount of hours into it. Yeah, yeah how could you remember <laughs> the beginning of the game? All right. <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom is a sequel to which Legend of Zelda game? A. Breath of the Wilderness. B. Breath of the Dragon. C. Breath of Ganon. Or D. Breath of the Wild. D. Breath of the Wild. Which was another amazing game. There were certain things that, that were in that game that I was sad that they didn't include. Like, like because you used to have like a, a bomb that you could just always have, just like unlimited bombs, and they took that away. So it was unlimited as in you had you could just throw as many bombs as you wanted. In one the at a time, one? but yeah. Nice. And uh, so can you still have bombs in Tears of the Kingdom? In Tears of the Kingdom, you get the, uh, the bomb plants and you attach them to arrows. And you throw them. Ah, see. So a, a new weapon mechanic took away the yeah, endless bombs. Yeah, because it was all about gluing shit in this game. Like, you glued a ton of shit together. You made and, contraptions and such? Yes. And some people online, like, you can you can look it up, made some hilarious ones. There are some amazing builds online that people have done. Oh, that's fun. So there's, like, a, a little bit of, like, unique stuff you can do, like, player-wise. Yep, yep. And you can, like, level up all of your energy, and you can do crazy shit. Like, basically, people have made straight-up, like, planes and shit that work. Wow. See, there you go, people. So if you haven't played Tears of the Kingdom, it's it's something to play. I can't imagine uh, any Nintendo person out there hasn't played it, though. So really, we're talking to those who have different systems. Tears of the Kingdom might be a good enough game to get a Switch. Yeah, it totally. I, I would suggest it, but I'll admit, once I kind of did everything, I don't know. Well, see, that's how I felt about the uh, the Harry Potter Lo Hogwarts Legacy. Is I I beat almost everything. I got almost every trophy, and then I was just trying to get level forty because that's the cap of the game. And I come to realize that you literally have to get every single thing in the game to get to level forty. And when I say everything, I mean every collectible. It's just oh. it's it's a ridiculous thing. So I, I stopped, but I thoroughly beat that game. So did I'm you like you. it? I did. I really did like it's it. It's coming out on the Switch in like a week. You know, I wonder how it's going to do. I'm I'm going to get it. You should. You should. It's a good game. But all right, we're going to talk about number four. Ryan, which Zelda game does not have a corresponding armor set in Tears of the Kingdom? Oh, my God. A, Ocarina of Time. B, The Minish Cap. C, Twilight Princess. Or D, The Wind Waker. It's going to have to be B because I don't remember that. It, it is B, yes, yes. Because, uh, let me say... Because I don't know what the Minish Cap is. The last thing that I did is I was, like, just dead set in the game. I'm like, I want to get every single armor set. I got every single one, and in order to do it, it's such a pain in the ass. You got to go in what's called, like, the Chasm, which is, like, underground, and it's all dark, and it's it's a pain in the ass. And I got every single... They literally did every single game had its own set of armor head chest and and pants that's pretty cool i mean i know there's a difference between the games but in my head it's always just a green tunic there was and there were they all like barely had any differences but they just they did one for how he looked in each game very cool very cool all right ryan number five which installment is tears of the kingdom in the zelda series is it a seven b 15 
C, 20, or D, 12. Oh, my God. Yeah. So There's are, so much Zelda. Yeah, so count them. <laughs> or just guess. Once again, it's I'm A, gonna ha- 7, B, 15, C, 20, or D, 12. I'm going to just say 12. And was it 15? It is 20. 20? Tears oh of the God. Kingdom is the 20th installment, according to the internet, in the Zelda franchise. That's insane. Well, I mean, there's so many, like, there's, like, Oracle of Seasons, Age of they Time. They have Game like, Boy games. All the Game Boy games. Yeah, Link's Awakening. There's so many freaking games. Oh, my God. There's so many. All right. Are you ready for the next question? I am. How many hands does the Gloom Hands have? Is it A, 5, B, 7, C, 4, or D, 8? So uh, I don't know a lot about this, but I know the Gloom Hands is like a monster of they're like... They're son of a bitch. They're like hands that come out of slime, and it's They got, come out of the... Uh, man, I, I don't know why I can't even think of what... The Gloom, or the, they come out of the Gloom. Well, it makes sense. They're called Gloom Hands. Yeah, so... and Yeah, they're a pain in the ass, like because the, they just keep respawning heads if you don't take them all out wow uh so i want to say it was and it was such a pain in the ass i'm gonna go with the highest one i'll say eight all right the answer is five five so a five so no you didn't get that one man Man, i hated those i usually was running away screaming from those so i guess i didn't have time to count you know (laughs) there's always games like that where there's the the character you you avoid so in the harry potter game there is the um Oh, I'm going to screw it up. But they're basically zombies. They're in a fury or something like that. And uh, I just avoided them as much as possible. I hated them because they only went down if you used a fire spell. That's it. What do you do? That makes sense. It makes sense. Bothered me. It took, it, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> All right. Number seven. Are you ready, Ryan? I'm trying. Let's do this. This is hard. <laughs> what form of transport? does Link use in the game? Is it A, a horse, B, a hoverboard, C, a magical rabbit, or D, a skateboard? To be fair, you could make a skateboard, but I'll go ahead and just say it's a horse. But yeah, with the mechanics of the game, you literally could make anything. Okay, see, this is, I don't know if I should give it to you or not, because I haven't played the game, and the internet told me it was a hoverboard. And I didn't see any kind of hoverboard. No, there was no hoverboard. So is it, could you make a hoverboard? So somebody who wrote the fucking, who suggested that question online was like. No, you yeah. you were usually using like wheels and stuff like that. Like they had different wheels that went a certain direction and you would attach them to like a board and you literally would hit it and you could even like get like a controller. So like you have like a steering wheel. Sure, sure. Okay, so I'm actually going to not give you the point, but I'm not going to count it against you either. We're just going to cross off this question. Well, because... horse would be the the answer because you catch capture horses, you go to all the horse stables there. All right, so you're you're saying you want the point. You think horse is correct. Horse is definitely the answer. All right, well, you did, it's you, did, you did beat the game. So I'll give you horse. It's Link. Yeah. Yeah, you All right, all right. There you go. You even have a horse god where you can go to level up your horses you, so you talked you, yourself into it you got the point bud i'm just saying there's different like you said uh, there's different mechanics and it's cool you get to the horse guide and you offer him endure carrots and when you do that whatever horse you're endure on, carrots yes he will he will uh raise its stats and shit like that so you can like max out horses and you can have like really like 
that where they can run a lot further. They can take a lot more damage. Yeah, I remember upgrading your horse was a really good idea in Red Dead Redemption 2, and that's the only game where I was horse upgrading. <laughs> that's another game I want to play. I've never played it. Oh, it's really, really good. I just bought uh, Red Dead Redemption, the remake, right? So it's they're charging you $50. Like, it's a brand new game. Yeah. And it's... Uh, you know, it's an HD upgrade, but it's not a great HD upgrade for paying full price for the game. That being said, they do include the DLC Undead Nightmare, which is pretty cool. And they put it on the Switch, too, I saw. Yeah, and you know what? That's a good one, but I would say Red Dead Redemption 2 is a better game. Uh, not just because it's newer, but it's just there's a lot of really fun stuff in there. Okay. All right, Ryan, are you ready for number eight? Yes. <laughs> what is the name of the lost city that houses the fire temple is it this is the part where pronunciation is going to be a problem is it gort opia is it gorondor gorondor okay so gortopia a gorondor b gorondia c goronville d man I know. This is hard. As it is hard. Can you say them again? A. Gortopia. B. Gorondor. C. Gorondia. Or D. Goronville. C. C. Gorondia is correct. Yes. Oh my God. I was between that one and B. Well, you got it, bud. You did it. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. That. That. that man, you're doing some deep dives here. All right. Ryan, number nine. Are you ready? Yes. You're going to get this. This is very easy. What is Ganon's, uh, excuse me, what is Ganon known as when they're in their human form? Is it Ganon Spirit? A. B. Ganon Diem. What the hell? Hold on. <laughs> Ganon Diem. Yep. All right. So Ganon Spirit A. Ganon Diem B. Ganondorf, C. Ganondord, D. Ganondorf. Yeah, I knew you did. Yeah, that C. One. Yeah. It yeah. would help if I actually was able to pronounce the no, other ones. It's all right because Spirit Ganon is the one where yeah, you you have to fight a lot of Spirit Ganons in this in this game. So there is a Spirit Ganon. Yeah. So that's the trick in he that was, question. He was first introduced in uh, Ocarina of Time in '64. Ooh, history. He was the bad guy in the Forest Temple. Oh yeah, I do remember that. All right, so. How many tiers do you have to collect to complete the Dragon Tears quest? A, 9. B, 10. C, 11. Or D, 12. Oh, man. I don't, I don't think I did this one, actually. I think this might have been the ones that I, did, I wasn't able to complete. You didn't do them all. So say, say the numbers again. Well, you know, you know the question, right? Yeah. All right. I'm still going to say it again. How many tiers do you need to collect to complete the Dragon Tears quest? Is it A? Oh, I did do this. Nine. B, 10. C, 11. Or D, 12. I'm going to say nine. And unfortunately, that is uh, not correct. The answer is D, 12. I was between nine and 12. Damn. Because I did do that when you have to do that one. All right. Well, hey, Ryan, you still did pretty dang good. Thank you. Ryan got seven out of ten. And you know what? With that, that is the completion of this week's game.
Definitely. I think you did pretty good. I like, like that. Yeah, one. Uh, it was a good game. I finished playing it like a few months ago. So yeah, my memory's a little hazy of all the names and such, and the damn the amount of quests there. But yeah, I remember. Yeah, because that was an important quest. You had to do all of those. There, uh, whenever you see a pool of water that is shaped like something, go to it and run around, and then you will find one of the tears. Nice. All right, so uh, there we go with the game, and that brings us to our final segment of the show. Headlines. Headlines. Earthling Entertainment. Headlines. Terrifier 3 sets 2024 wide release. This comes to us from Variety. Watch out, Santa Claus. Art the Clown is coming to town. Terrifier 3 is set to hit theaters across North America on October 25th, 2024, per an announcement from Cineverse and Bloody Disgusting. The Christmas-themed horror film, written and directed by franchise mastermind Damien Leone, will focus on the villainous, bloodthirsty Art the Clown, who is set to unleash chaos on the unsuspecting residents of Miles County as they peacefully drift off to sleep on Christmas Eve. Terrifier 2's remarkable success was driven not only by the insatiable appetite for new and thrilling horror icons like Art the Clown, but also by its unparalleled theatrical release and marketing, along with its unyielding spirit, Leon said in a statement. In a cinematic landscape where risk-taking is scarce, I will continue to push boundaries in Terrifier 3, and I can't wait for you to see what's in store for Art the Clown. In the world of horror, Damien Leone's Terrifier franchise stands as a defiant embodiment of anti-Hollywood ethos. Brad Miska, managing director of Bloody Disgusting, said, with an unwavering commitment to delivering precisely what the fans desire, Leone has crafted an entirely independent sequel, Terrifier 3, is going to have nastier kills, a bigger budget, and an even crazier storyline. Terrifier 2 was a surprise box office hit, making $11 million at the domestic box office from a $250,000 budget. The second installment became a word-of-mouth sensation among horror fans due to its extreme gore, lengthy running time, dark humor, hallucinatory sequences, and cameos from genre mainstays like Chris Jericho and Felicia Rose. Nice. Well, you know, I didn't actually watch the terror. Ter- was it terrifier? Terrifier. Terrifier. I didn't actually watch Terrifier, but I know the origins is it was a small segment in a film called Tales of Hallow- Halloween, or is it? It was a different one. It okay. wasn't Tales of Halloween. Okay, fair enough. But he started out as a small segment, and then it got so popular, he made a movie, and then it got so popular, he made another movie, and now he's making another movie. Is that pretty much the extent? Well, yeah, $250,000 budget, and he made $11 million. Yeah. That's a good win. That's a big win. You said you liked the films, though, right? Loved them. I honestly consider Art the Clown to be, like, one of the most creative, like, one of the best new bad horror guys, like, main horror guys. All right. Maybe in 20 years we'll get them on shirts, not just Freddy and Jason, right? Well, uh, he already is, I think. I, I see. Art the Clown's really popular. Fair enough. And I didn't know it was Christmas. 
Yeah, that's cool that they're going to do it like Christmas themed. That's cool. So the other two weren't Christmas themed. No, no. no. They, these first two were very Halloween. Okay, so the third one is Art at Christmas. Well, that's a fun little twist. Yeah, yeah. The last one was definitely Halloween. I can't remember if the first one was actually Halloween. I, I can't remember, but well, probably. Well, like I said, he was introduced in a film that had Halloween in the title. And yeah. I know it was a uh, anthology film. So yeah. that, he's, his origins are firmly in Halloween. That's for sure. For sure, for sure. And I think that that's obviously how he sneaks into places because he just blends in, you know, being a creepy-ass clown. We know it, it, this is a smart movie because it is a psycho killer. And psycho killer, you can sell everywhere around the world. It's scary to everyone because no one wants to be killed, obviously. And it doesn't touch on any ghost or any religion thing, so no one gets pissed off. Like, uh, for instance, last time I checked, China has a real issue with anything that is afterlife or anything ghost or spirit, or it might just be God. I'm not huh. sure. But you got to be careful. You can't do things like that because you won't sell the rights in china for distribution so doing a slasher is always a good way to sell worldwide that's why it made so money it's so much money in my opinion it's because you know yeah and in this last film he actually got a lot more supernatural there was a lot more to it like they they did like a deeper thing like on a deeper him, dive like that he's not human it's almost like you're kind of we're starting to figure out that he's some kind of what do you think? They're going to go demon? Is he an alien? Yeah, that's I like the closest I could say, but no one even called him a demon in the film. But like I said, he definitely was showing more of like a supernatural origin from the last one. See, I would hope they would push that further because that was part of what I always liked about the old killers, right? Like, uh, you know, Leatherface aside, uh, Michael Myers seemed like he was some kind of creature because he wouldn't die. He kept getting shot. You know, Jason, he dies in the fourth one isn't in the fifth one is resurrected in the sixth one. And then as a zombie until he becomes like super Jason in 10 and then he's retconned. But the point is he's died a bunch. That's supernatural as hell. Freddie. I don't have to explain why he's supernatural. Right? No. Yeah. No, it, they definitely did more to him. That's cool. You know, you said that uh, there wasn't another big horror villain franchise, but I would like to point out that there is a film franchise called hatchet. There's Hatchet 1, Hatchet 2, and Hatchet 3. And then Hatchet 4, but that is called Victor Crowley. And the character is Victor Crowley, and he is basically a swamp Jason, for lack of a better word. He's actually played by Kane Halder, who played Jason several times. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. It is the whole kind of like deformed... Like Kane, oh, Kane the wrestler. Uh, no, no, not no? that not uh. that guy. Kane Hodder. It's a, he's, he's a stuntman. Best known for oh. playing Jason, but he's been in other films. He's he's since become an actor in his own right. He even had a small cameo in the 2003 film Grind, which <laughs> no one saw but me. <laughs> it's a skateboard movie. Babbager is in it. It is awesome. Tom Green is in it. No one has seen it but me. Actually, I will say uh, Steve Cox from high school. Me and him went and saw it because uh, 2003, I think, was like sophomore junior year. So me and Steve, I, I, we went and saw it. We skipped school. That was a great movie, and we knew it was in trouble when we went and sat down, and there was no one in the theater, and it was opening day. Shout out to Steve. Steve Cox. All right. Um. So Terra Fur three. I'm Terrifier. down. Terra Fur. You're all right. No, but it. it what it is Terra Fur? I feel like I don't I, that know. is from Terra, something. It's just Terrifier. You never see that word very often. Terrifier. Yeah, that's yeah. hard for for me to wrap my head around. But, all right, like, Terrifier three. But yeah, and the the kills are so gruesome. He's all about dismembering you know, peeling flesh and he leaves you alive so that your family comes and finds you in the first one. He cuts a girl in half from the, uh, 
the uh, the private parts down. You mean up? No, he has her <laughs> strung upside down by with her legs oh. up, and he cuts down. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's brutal. That sounds really brutal. It's fucking brutal. So I, that's. What I like he, how this guy was like dissing horror movies. He's just like people don't people don't you know push the envelope and people aren't brave. But like, no, nah, dude, people have been doing gross shit for years. You're just another uh, filmmaker who's doing something for gross value. I mean, do, you don't think Saw was pushing the envelope when they ripped open the chick's rib cage in the opening credit like scene of the third film mm-hmm. i just I, I don't know i have a little bit of a problem with the director's cockiness but i i haven't seen the films maybe eh. he does push the envelope harder than he anybody else he earned it he did well so let's see how three does i'm sure three will do great especially with them doing it christmas theme that's so smart like if you can pull off like a good holiday film and, and people love it you know they're gonna stream it watch it every year so no matter what. You know, that is the good thing about a holiday film, but it's also the bad thing because it's a kind of movie that people might not watch all year round. They might wait to see it once a year. Kind of like, how often do you watch Christmas Vacation? Most people, their answer is around Christmas. And right, that's it. yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. But I mean, that's that's what you get when you do, yeah, Christmas films. But, but... horror films might be, they might transcend that, you know? Right. Like, Because I, mean... I still watch Trick or Treat at other times of the year. I do. So, I watch horror films on other times of the year too. Yeah, see that those transcend. So yeah, which is why I argue Halloween is not a Halloween movie because even though it takes place on Halloween, it has nothing to do with Halloween, and you could watch it at any point in the year. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've. That is a cross I've put myself on a few times. I actually wrote this whole article, uh, moviepilot.com, when that was a thing. I was a contributor, and I was right. I wrote this whole article about like the best Halloween movies, and people chewed me out because in the first paragraph I said Halloween will not be in this. Yeah, they, uh, pe- the Halloween fans are passionate, man. Well, that's that's they are people who love Michael Myers. Fucking love him. I know people will will defend him to death. I still say Jason Voorhees is the coolest of the '80s killers. Agreed. Even He's though some of them started in the '70s, you get what I mean. I just rewatch, rewatched part two the other day. It's so good. Friday the 13th? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The good old uh, burlap sack over the head. And, and they really fully explain his whole origin story really well in that in that movie that he was just out there going crazy, basically, you know, living off. Because he witnessed he his mother, his mother getting his her, her head cut off. And Right. They actually did a good explanation of how he got. Because I remember being well, young. They kind of skipped the explanation of like, didn't he drown when he was a child? They were just kind of acting like, oh, he was alive and in the woods watching this. Right. So like maybe he like just bit, like got out and was having trouble getting to the freaking camp. By the time he got there, he's like, holy shit. <laughs> Mom, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. All right. Uh, we're going to go to headline number two. Bob's Burgers reveals new Jimmy Pesto voice actor. This comes to us from comicbook.com. Bob's Burgers has officially reintroduced Jimmy Pesto back into the animated series with the newest episode in season 14. And with it has revealed the new voice actor taking over the character. Uh, Earlier this summer, uh, former voice actor behind Pesto, Jay Johnston, was arrested and charged by the Department of Justice for his involvement in the January 6th Capitol riot back in 2021. And Bob's Burgers officially cut ties with the former star in the years prior. With the Jimmy Pesto's character teased to return to Bob's Burgers for season 14 of the series this year, fans have been wondering who would take on the role. With the debut of Bob's Burgers season 14, episode 5, 
bully Eve it or not. Oh, that's kind of clever. Yeah. Bully Eve it or not. I like it. Well done. <laughs> On Fox this past Sunday, the end credits for the episode revealed that Jimmy Pesto is now voiced by Eric Bauza, who fans might recognize as the voice behind many famous characters such as Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Marvin the Martian, and many more. For fans who didn't notice a key difference in the performances, this is likely why, given Baza has such a dynamic range. Yeah, I mean, that's true. If you want people not to notice, you get like a vet to come in. You know, uh, we're I not... know who he is. I can I, I can picture his face. Right on. Before, yeah, that's cool. We know we're not going to get into any of the political stuff of the January 6th, but I will say that the guy who got fired for his involvement, it's always weird when you hear a celebrity who was in some like just strange kind of situation. Like the guy who played Goldberg in the original Mighty Ducks, and he's doing really well right now. I'm not trying to throw shade, but he was arrested for meth a few years ago and his mugshot went around and you're just like, oh no, Goldberg from the Mighty Ducks became a meth head. No. And uh, once again, he's doing great now. Yeah, I was going to say that actually turned into a positive thing, I think, because he got like an outpouring of support. It did. Yeah, it actually actually it, helped, it helped him out. Him. Yeah. Uh, but then there's a chick. I believe her name is Alex Mack, but she was in uh, Smallville. She just she was arrested for her involvement in a cult that was like sex trafficking people. <laughs> and it's just when you hear about these things, you're just like, oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, apparently the. The guy and uh, the guy, Jay Johnston, who was fired. I loved him in uh, the Sarah Silverman program in the early 2000s. He played yeah. the weird cop guy. So I love the guy's work. Uh, apparently, he made some bad choices uh, as to, you know, what after curricular activities he was going to do. But that's neither here nor there. And uh, yeah, interesting. With a lot of changes with animated shows lately. One does not simply walk into the Capitol. Apparently. <laughs> You're going to lose your job, bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, we everybody was going so crazy at that time. I agree. We're not going to talk about yeah, it. We, it was we, a crazy we time. Let's just move on because there's too many opinions on too many sides, yeah. and this is not what we do on this show. So, headline number three. I'm excited for this one. The MCU's Blade movie will be rated R. This Which is pretty cool. Hell yeah. This comes to us from Nerdist. We've known that a Blade movie is coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe since 2019. Who can forget with the film star, Oscar winner, Mahershal, Mahershal it's Ali. It's Mahershal Ali. Uh, put on a hat that said Blade and caused an excited uproar in San Diego's Comic-Con's hall. Uh, Why'd you say hall? It's Hall H. Oh, sorry. It is Hall H. That H isn't a typo. <laughs> it looked like a typo. Uh, though there have been some ups and downs with this movie, hopefully we'll only see smooth sailing for our favorite vampire from here on out. We don't know too much about the movie yet. However, we, know, we now know that Blade will be rated R. The rating was recently confirmed by the movie's director, Yan Demange. That's a dope name. Yan Demange? I don't know. Continue. Blade marks the second MCU movie to receive an R rating, although we bet that it will be a very different R-rated experience than Deadpool 3. The rating opens up a whole new world of possibilities for the MCU movie, and one can only wait to see how it will manifest. 
Okay, so the bottom line is, if you don't know, which you'd have to be living under a rock not to know, but Blade is a character who is half vampire, half human, and he's a vampire hunter, and he goes on his quest to basically take down vampires. It's hard to not make that rated R. The uh, I think the third Blade movie that came out uh, with Wesley Snipes was rated PG-13, and of course, that's the one that failed. The other two were rated R. Second one, uh, directed by Guillermo del Toro, was really, really dope and had an early Norman Reedus in it as Scud. Ryan Reynolds too, right? No, Ryan Reynolds was in the third one, which third one. which was terrible. Okay. Uh, Ryan Reynolds did a great job. It wasn't Ryan Reynolds. I was going to say, not terrible. his fault. Well, I heard Wesley Snipes was a handful, to say the least, and there was a lot of other problems in that that third film. But the first two, freaking great. And they're still great. Like, the first film with Wesley Snipes has the blood orgy scene at the... Oh, no, I say orgy. The <laughs> blood rave scene at the at the beginning of the... Blood uh, orgy! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's funny that I've, I've in my head that blood orgies come up more often than blood raids. So that's where my well done. That's another where, that's where another came South out. Park reference. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but anyways, even that that song, if you hear boom, but don't 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 boom, it, like it, you're gonna be like, oh, that's the one from Blade. Like it's iconic. It is. It is. Well, uh, Mahershal Ali, I believe he won his Oscar for Green Book, and uh, that was a few years ago. He is a wonderful actor. He was in one of my favorite shows that came out in the early 2000s called The 4400, which was, uh, they remade it a while back. The, the remake sucked. But long story short, it's just another one of, how are these humans have powers? Wow. But it was a good show. So I've liked him forever. So I want to see him as Blade. I heard, I heard a lot of problems with this production. I heard that too. That's what made me a little scared, but I mean, it's got an R rating, so hopefully they don't fuck it up. I don't see what the R rating has to do with whether or not they fuck it up. They're good R rated movies and bad R rated movies. Just, Same with PG 13. Just add a lot of fight scenes, a lot of cutting, a lot of blood, a lot of exploding vampires. I'll be happy. I'm just wondering how we're going to fit this into the MCU because it's, it's kind of like mutants with the X Men. It's like, how do you be like, oh, mutants have always been here, but we just haven't talked about them for 26 movies? It's like, oh, yeah. vampires have always existed. I have thought that. Uh, so I think that's why we're in the multiverse phase of the MCU is I'm predicting that blade is going to take place in a different universe as well as one or two of the other things like, like Eternals came out and there was a giant statue coming out of the planet and the following movies, no one even talked about it. So the theory is that is also on an alternate dimension and all of these dimensions are going to come together in the Avengers movie. Uh, not Kane Dynasty, the Secret Wars. I don't know. The the next, the seventh film, whatever it is. Mind blown. Yeah, Mind there's blown. a lot of theories of the MCU. You know how it goes. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good one. I'll, I'll see it. Me too. All right. Number four. Homer won't strangle Bart anymore on The Simpsons. This comes to us from, <laughs> this comes to us from IGN.com. After 34 years, The Simpsons is stepping away from senseless violence. No, no, they're not. <laughs> That's right. They're just stepping away from, you know, what is it, child abuse? Homer will no longer strangle Bart. During season 35, episode 3, titled McMansion and Wife, which aired on October 22nd, Homer reveals he's finally changed his ways when he and Marge visit their new neighbor, there. After introducing himself to the Springfield newcomer, Thayer comments on how firm his handshake is. And see Marge strangling the boy paid off, replies Homer. Just kidding, he adds. I don't do that anymore. Times have changed. You may not have noticed. That's a little on the nose. <laughs> yeah, 
You may not have noticed, but times certainly have changed. The last time Homer strangled the boy was back in season 31, which aired between 2019 and 2020. It's been a topic of contention long before that, too, with Homer attending a fathering enrichment class in the season 22 episode, Love is a Many Strangled Thing, that aired way back in March 2011. During the episode, a basketball player played by former NBA star Kareem Abdul-Jabbar teaches Homer a lesson, strangling the Simpsons patriarch to show him exactly what it feels like before inviting others to join in. The result? Homer can't bring himself to strangle Bart anymore. Although the controversial running gag has been addressed before, some fans of The Simpsons still weren't happy when Homer revealed he's changed his ways. However, others pointed out that it's been increasingly rare to see Homer strangle Bart in later seasons. People complaining that The Simpsons changed but haven't watched the new episodes to know that it's been rare for Homer to strangle Bart ever since the 2000s, and the last actual time he did it was over four years ago, said another fan on Twitter. The real story is that the show is kind of entertaining again. Cool. I will say uh, I agree that the show actually is a little entertaining again because the latest Halloween episode, which we talked about last week, uh, actually had blood. Remember how I said, like, the ones with blood are better? This one was pretty awesome. This Halloween episode, I say, really what? Like, I... I didn't care for the first story because it was like a joke about NFTs, but at least was original and kind of parodied Snowpiercer. The second one, it was a little bit Silence of the Lambs, a little bit Mindhunter, and they uh, they had the 1993 episode where Sideshow Bob is going to kill Bart on the boat, but he ends up singing a ballad from his favorite play instead, and then he gets arrested, except they show an alternate universe version where Bob realizes he's being distracted and straight up murders Bart horribly. Lisa grows up and becomes kind of an FBI profiler. And I don't want to give all of it away, but it's it's fun. It's bloody. There's serial killers. It's 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 pretty good. Simpsons is one of those things where it's like there's so much of it. There is. There's a lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've watched it here and there, I guess. I've seen clips and stuff, but I couldn't tell you the last time I sat and watched an episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> I uh like I said, well the Halloween episodes I always watch, so I guess that would be the last time I did. I, I, I should watch that one. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I know I did. That was fun. I thought so. I mean, we got some grunch, we got some alien pancakes. What more do you want? That's right. That's right. And Terrifier three coming Ooh. out next year. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right. Well, uh join us next week. And uh, thanks for listening. In the meantime, if you want to hear more uh, good stuff from us, if you check out the show Tattered Tales, it's an anthology show. So we have each episode is a self-contained story of horror, fantasy, suspense, or something silly, something scary. You'll enjoy it, like Twilight Zone, you know, like Black Mirror, any of those. Uh, My favorite, Tales from the Crypt. So check that out. And also, if you happen to be in Dearborn, Michigan, go, go to Green Brain Comics on Michigan Avenue. If you gotta go, use your common sense and don't whiz on the electric fence. (laughs) All right. See ya. Bye.